Oh my goodness, oh my soul, there's racial controversy around the Academy Awards. We're going to talk about that, and it's not what you think. And also, the most economically important plant on planet Earth, and you're basically being deprived of it. Uncensored, unfiltered, unhinged. It's the Corelcast. Listen daily on your favorite streaming service. It is the Corelcast. I am Corel. So very glad you are joining me on this Monday. The Academy Awards were last night, the 95th Academy Awards. And they were not without controversy, although no one smacked the crap out of anybody. Uh, <laughs> for a couple of people I wanted to, but that's just me. Uh, there's racial controversy. And the racial controversy surrounding the Oscars is why white America sometimes just plugs their ears and goes, la, 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 uh, because the mountains are made out of molehills. And I am not, you know, here to minimalize any racial uh, or any minority group's experience. I am not here to tell them that they are not victims of racism. If you are black, you certainly are. If you are Asian, you certainly are. If you are gay, you certainly are. If you are trans or you do drag, uh, you are certainly under attack. So I'm not here to minimalize uh, but first of all, can you imagine, can you imagine six nominees and not one getting an award? Now, doesn't that sound like xenophobia to you? Six nominees and not one getting an award. I, of course, am talking about the Irish. And the Irish are not up in arms today that most of their nominees uh, did not win last night. Colin Farrell and all the others from the Banshees of Inisharan, uh, great film, didn't win. They're all Irish. In fact, a disparaging joke was made by Jimmy Kimmel about the Irish uh, to Colin Farrell. He was doing some stupid audience thing and says, oh, we've got questions. Uh, So-and-so from Pacoima wants to know uh, what you said in the movie, The Banshees of Inisharan making fun of the Irish accent, just like SNL had done the night before. The accent that I find so sexy, I would move there just to find a man that, that has it. And I might. And so there, I use that, I start off with that to make you think. Okay, six Irish actors from Ireland, Irish citizens, none of them won the award. Is there xenophobia on the part of the Academy? Did they purposely not give it to Colin Farrell or the others, Brendan Gleeson or the others, because they were Irish? Well, the answer unequivocally is no. That did not come into play. And there are many that say, well, the Irish are white. Irish were treated worse than black people in the United States. Up, you know, so don't even act like the Irish were not victims of racism and anti-immigrant sentiments. We out prohibition was because we hated Germans and Irish and we knew they drink and we wanted to punish Germans and Irish after World War I and as World War I was happening. That's where prohibition started. I know I did a special on it. You can go to a storyineverybottle.com and watch it. It's fabulous. Okay? So yes, there is racism and xenophobia against the Irish. There were Canadians that didn't win. Is Canada mad at us today? Although the loneliest whale in Canada died, an orca that had been in captivity for 40 years, and because they couldn't have any more because they made laws, it spent the last years alone, sad, depressed. Oh, it was a depressing story. The loneliest whale in Canada has died. 
and probably mercy, you know, that it did. Uh, anyway, so what? here's what really happened that everyone's all upset about. Angela Bassett was nominated for Wakanda, the second Black Panther film. And she lost to Jamie, Lake, Jamie Lee Curtis, a 50-year veteran of Hollywood who's never won an Oscar. Jamie Lee Curtis, who delivered an incredible role in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. The big winner, and if you haven't seen it, it's worth all the awards that it got. And all the sentiment and the Asians, Michelle Yeoh, the first Asian winner. Okay, first, the very first. So Angela Bassett did not applaud, did not clap. She just sat there when she lost. Not classy, Angela. Not classy at all. And I like Angela Bassett. I'm a fan. I've seen everything she's done. I like her. I watched the 911 show that she's in and co-produces. I'm a fan. Not classy. Now they screamed on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, racism, racism, Oscar's so white. Bull crap. Not everything is about race. I'm going to say some things here that are going to upset some people, and I'm sorry. But first of all, the second film, the second Black Panther movie sucked. The first one was much better. The second one, thumbs down, did not like it. Mainly because there was no Black Panther in it until the very end. When I go see a Marvel movie like Superman, I don't want two-thirds of the movie to not have Superman. Okay? So they did it because Chadwick Boseman died. Here's another thing I'm going to say that's unpopular. Last night, they praised Chadwick Boseman, called him the king because he played the king and all of that. Chadwick Boseman was a talented young actor with a small but impressive body of work who died way too soon. He is not legendary. He is not a king. It is not like he's Sidney Poitier or Denzel Washington or anything like that. He was an African-American man who made a couple good films and then died prematurely, unfortunately. He would have gone on to have much greater work than what he did. He was a great actor, a great activist, you know, a great friend. He was a wonderful man. And yes, he should be remembered, but put up on a pedestal and called the king? No. He made a Marvel movie. Come on. And the second Wakanda. It sucked. The special effects were great and the 3D printed headpieces and everything were fun. But in terms of story and, and all of that, and Angela Bassett's in that film for maybe 35, 40 minutes and she chews the scenery. She overacts. And again, probably not a popular opinion, but I was a film critic for decades. I've been on sets. Uh, you know, I'm in the business, and I will tell you. She was wonderful for the role, but just over the top. I am the queen of the largest and best country in the world, and I've lost my family. Have I not given enough? Yeah, yeah, calm down. So in terms of awards... I would have given it to someone else. I would not have voted for Angela Bassett for Best Supporting Actress. I know all the other people did, SAG. I didn't vote for her for the SAG Award, and I voted on them. I thought, no, she was over the top. The movie sucked. The costumes were great. I'm glad they won. Uh, you know, the special effects were great. The story, eh. The acting, Marvel, over the top. You know, cartoonish. Now, that's an unpopular opinion. 
And she's a brilliant actress from What's Love Got to Do With It on. There's been a bunch of times she should have been up on that stage accepting an award. She has been robbed. She just wasn't robbed last night. You know, the Academy is going to vote for the 50-year veteran that they've never given an award to, whose parents were both nominated for awards, who is old enough to where she might not ever be nominated again. Angela Bassett will be nominated again. She is a brilliant actress. She will get another great role, and she will be nominated because she is brilliant. Okay, Angela Bassett is acting royalty. She is brilliant. She's every bit as good as anyone working, Meryl Streep or Kate Blanchett or any of them. She's brilliant. Was she brilliant in Wakanda? No. I thought she did the job well. I thought she portrayed an over-the-top queen of some fictional land. But was it Academy-worthy? I'm sorry, no. And even if it was, okay, let's say that it was as Kate Blanchett in Tar certainly was, as all the other actresses and actresses nominated certainly were. I don't hear anyone screaming that they lost. Oh, because they're white. So it's okay that all the other actors and actri- you know, actresses or actors, if they want to take out the gender, it's okay that they lost. It's just not okay that the black person lost. And that is where you lose white America. If every time a black person is nominated for something or up for something and they don't win, you cannot scream racism. Not every time. Sometimes it will be clear-cut racism, which exists and is out there and is still a challenge for black filmmakers, female filmmakers, on and on. Okay, there's still xenophobia in Hollywood. There's homophobia. Two movies last night had gay storylines, The Whale and Tar. Neither of the actors portraying Brendan Fraser or Kate Blanchett were gay. Not, they didn't win awards. Are gay people screaming? All right, let's talk the most valuable crop on the planet and why you're being kept from it. Got a great segment coming up next. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. If you're not visiting reallycorel.com daily... You're missing out. Get the podcast videos and the blog, including recipes, at reallycorel.com. That's really K A R E L.com. Uncensored, unfiltered, unhinged. It's the Corelcast. It is the Corelcast, and I am sorry if I upset anybody. I do not mean to. I just didn't think that Wakanda movie was all that great. And I'm sorry that there's so few black films out there with black cast and stuff. You know, a better movie was The Woman King. And someone that was really robbed was Viola Davis. She was marvelous in The Woman King. It was a much better acting job than Angela Bassett in in, um, Wakanda. And a much better movie with all kinds of undertones. It was a really great movie, The Woman King. And Viola Davis really was robbed. She should have been on that stage You know, I mean, it was I think she was even better than Jamie Lee Curtis. So had Viola Davis been nominated for Woman King and had she lost, I would have been I would have had some issues with that. I have no issue with Angela Bassett losing because I don't think the role was that great. And I don't think the movie was that great. Personal opinion and not based in race or gender. You know, I think Jamie Lee deserved it. I think this is the Academy's nod to her. Uh, And you can't try to take away her success and her glory because you're mad about Angela Bassett not winning. 
I'm sorry she didn't win if you were rooting for her. I just don't think the role warranted it. But let's move on. It is the most important plant on the planet economically. The most important. Uh, and yet you are being kept out from it. And again, by corporations. Now, William Shirtleth has devoted a lot of time uh, to this wonderful plant. And the plant is the soybean. It is a legume. Everything you've heard about soy is wrong. You've heard it'll cause men to have breasts. You're, you've been told if you're a woman and you have breast cancer to stay away, that it could make it worse. Everything you have been told about soy is a lie. And I'm going to prove it. Not only am I going to prove it by talking to William Shirtliff from the, uh, the Soy Info Center online and the author of the Book of Tofu, but then I'm going to take you in the kitchen and I'm going to show you some of the marvelous things you can do with this incredible bean. But you are not going to want to miss this conversation coming up right here because you're going to learn things. And it's not just about soy. Okay, nutrition is the number one cause of preventable death right now in the world. Nutrition. And so that's going to become a focus of my show. I can't change Joe Biden. I can't change DeSantis. I can't, and all of that is making me crazy now, just crazy. I can't hurry the indictments against Trump. I, you know, I'm tired of being angry all the time about that stuff. Instead, why don't I tell you about a plant that can help you and talk about the geopolitical reasons that you don't have it. And why your health and your diet and your well-being is directly tied to everything we are about to talk about. So first, let's go to William Shirtleth for the Soy Info Center. He did not have video. So you're going to hear the audio and see a lot of me standing around. Then we're going to go into the kitchen and I'm going to teach you how to do a couple things. How to make soy milk uh, and and much more fun. And that's really easy to do, by the way, how to make soy milk. Uh, but also some uh, how to make tempeh bacon for those of you that love bacon. So we are about to do those things and talk to William Shirtless. If everything you know about soy you learned from American media, then you don't know anything about soy. And that's why I wanted an expert. And that expert is William Shirtliff. He is the uh, founder and director of Soy Info Center on the web. Also, he is the author of the Book of Tofu. Because so, so honey, soy, he knows. Uh, and when you want to find out about soy, you go to an expert. And that's what we're doing. Welcome, William. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Now, let's talk about soy. In this country, it's not that old, but this is something that's been being grown since like 7,000 BC or something like that and has been eaten since 3,000 BC. So am I right? This is old. Uh, you're right in that it's old, but the earliest date that we have for soybeans is uh, 1024 BCE, before the Christian era. And in that case, the ancient character for soybean, which is Shu, appears on four early Zhou Dynasty bronze vessels, indicating that the soybean plant was of some importance by that time. In other words, it had probably existed before that, but that's the, that's the first time it was documented. And then in 1000 BCE, in the Book of Odes, uh, soy is mentioned four different times with different dates. So I would say about 1000 BCE or the, or the 11th century before the Christian era is when uh, 
we know that the soybean existed as a food in China. And yes, this started in China. And uh, one of the reasons in that China, it was... that's the important thing is that the soybean is comes from China. And in China, this was used as a very effective substitute for meat since they often didn't have a lot of meat. Meat was expensive. And they learned pretty early on that soy was a powerhouse of protein, correct? Exactly. Of course, and, they didn't understand the word protein, but they understand <laughs> understood that it they felt, you know, their bodies felt good, and and uh, it was just it's just a, a good part of the diet. And just so, and we understand protein now, and I'd like to just throw this in here that soy, uh, which I've probably said a hundred times in the segment already, but soy is one of the few, the only plant protein that has everything you need. It's the complete protein. Some proteins from right. plants, they don't have quite all the amino acids. Soy has all the amino acids. Now, soy was not a likely thing to be eaten, though, because you can't eat it raw, correct? The bean itself is bitter right. and has a, has a chemical in it that will actually cause you stomach indigestion. So probably at first, they used it more for fertilizer, and I'm told that the soy plant actually is able to take nitrogen out of the air, so it can actually enrich bad soil by just growing soy in it. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, the soy is a legume, and legumes fix nitrogen from the air. That's the value of planting legumes from a farmer's point of view, is that they give you uh, basically free nitrogen. Wow. Oh, that's a handy little plant. Uh, and then they discovered that if you cooked it, marvels happened. And so I'm guessing that probably the first consumption of soy was probably soy milk, because that's easy to do. You boil it, you mash it up and drink it. Uh, and you've got soy milk. But when did, since you wrote the Book of Tofu, another very big uh, soy product, particularly in China and in the Chinese diet, they still to this day have soy every day. Uh, when did tofu, uh, you know, make its rise? Tofu was first mentioned in 965 of the Christian era. In other words, in, in the year 965. Um, so it, but it, it wasn't called tofu. It wasn't oh. called tofu. It was called um, a vegetarian who wrote the article or who wrote the document in Chinese um, called it uh, he just made, he called it um, white mushy stuff. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he called it something that we couldn't pronounce anyway. So it came to be yeah, known he as called it dofu. That's right. Dofu. He it that's dofu. right. Dofu. Uh, probably spelled with differently, though, like D-O-U or something. Uh, yeah, but so he. Yeah, and so and, and it's often the people that first write about something that actually get to name it. For instance, you know, we talk about baby boomers. That was invented, that term was invented by a columnist. It wasn't like a scientific term. It was someone, you know, in media, uh, someone who documents things often is the one that gets to name things. Uh, so tofu became a staple. Uh, certainly in the Chinese diet, they use soy milk. It was first mentioned in 965 CE as tofu. And, 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 you know, in their diets, soy they, milk was not used that much in the early Chinese diet, but it, later on, it became um, popular in two different forms. Now, soy, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, from everything I've read, it is the most economically important crop on the planet. I would say that's 
probably true, and if it's not true, I mean, it, it varies from time to time, from one decade to the other, but ah. corn and soybeans are the two most e- economically important products on the planet. Yeah, off topic, planet, have you ever you know, for, uh, off topic, have you ever read the book The Botany of Desire by Michael Pollan? Yes. And and in that we have soy trying in a rivalry with corn. It's like they're at they're at odds. They're at war because yeah, soy wants to right. be number one and corn wants to be number one. Uh, right. And so we have this enormous crop how come okay so america's people start coming over here in the 1600s 1700s there were already indigenous people here uh how come it took so long you know tea came to america first and then went to europe i know everyone thinks it came from china to europe and then america but it actually went from china to america and then to europe uh and that happened in like the 14 1500s how come it took tofu and the soybean so long to make an impact in the United States. I, I don't think it was until like the 1800s well, it, that it, it was grown as a curiosity crop in, in, in the beginning. In other words, people were not eating it. They just were interested in seeing where the plant grew in the United States, if, if it would grow well, if they could get a good yield of soybeans. But um, you're right. It wasn't until uh, Samuel Bowen actually introduced the soybean to America, which was in 1765, according to wonderful pioneering research by Theodore Heimowitz. Um, In 1765, the soybean first arrived in America. And it was a long, and, and he made soy sauce from it, exported the soy sauce to England. Uh, he got his soybeans by actually traveling to, to China. Uh, he exported, made soy sauce, exported it to England, and won a prize of uh, various guineas from from the uh, a gold medal for introducing Chinese manufacturers to to His Majesty's project province province of Georgia. Wow! Samuel Bowen grew his soybeans in the province of Georgia. At that time, we were still, you know, not 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 yet the United States. <laughs> Honey, we still ain't the United States, uh, but uh, the, the the province of Georgia, because if you know anything about climate, you would know that the South sort of mimics China where soy is grown. It's it's hot. It's moist. Uh, the winters are mild. They don't usually get a freeze. Uh, and so soy does well in the southern United States. You mentioned soy sauce, possibly the earliest uh, thing that we use soy for. It's involved. It takes months to make. They do it with seawater. The introduction of seawater water also the magnesium in the seawater was crucial to making tofu because that's what causes it to curdle uh and releases the calcium content and vitamin c content that's also in there uh harmlessly now let's speed up and, and and get to uh now. Uh, now we are a world that's dying of climate change. Part of that is our protein sources, not mine, I am a vegan, but our protein sources for the masses are coming from animals. Uh, and animals take up two to three acres of land, whereas soy takes up half an acre for, for every person uh, in terms of how much room is needed. It is a complete source of protein. So wouldn't it just make sense scientifically that in America, by the numbers, we should be consuming a lot more soy and a lot less beef? Um, there's something there blocking that. And, and perhaps you can give us a historical perspective, because I know what's blocking it. Industry is blocking it. But when 
did soy yeah, become and, the and, enemy and, of meat? Particularly the, 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 the dairy and livestock industries are pushing a narrative that says, I'm sure you know that most young children feel that they have to drink meat, milk in order to be healthy and that they have to eat meat in order to have a good diet. But that's not true at all. What you said is exactly true, that if we were eating a rational diet, a diet that was good for us and uh, that made the best use of the world's resources and put off global warming as, as long as possible, we would be using soy foods such as soy milk and tofu and edamame in our diet instead of meat and dairy. I don't think people realize just three ounces of tempeh and then later in the day, a cup of edamame and you actually have all your protein for the day right there. Uh, so it, right. it's it, historically business has been at odds uh, with many things and kept things from American shelves. So the fear mongering about soy in the 70s and 80s, men are going to grow breast and and women with breast cancer, it's going to make it worse, which is exactly the opposite. Now, we know that if women have cancers, in particular breast cancer, soy can actually help. I use soy yep. to mitigate the damage caused by cannabis to my arteries. Genistein, which is an isoflavonoid in soy, actually mitigates that damage. Scientific evidence conclusive. So do you feel that the bad science that's out there, and this is a personal feeling, I'm sure, do, do you think that the feeling that the bad science that's out there was because the meat and dairy industry simply hired their own people or got studies that were skewed their way and used those studies to scare people? Because there's really no reason. I All day long, I see things now at vegan restaurants that say soy free, soy free. I'm like, why are you afraid of soy? Yeah, that I see the same thing. It's very surprising. But, you know, an industry is always trying to defend itself from the competition. And the, the best competition that the, the dairy industries and the meat in, industries have is soy and foods made from soybeans, which we, we call soy foods. And so a smart person would be using soy milk instead of dairy milk and be using tempeh and tofu and edamame um, instead of meat to get the protein that they need in their diet. Of course, people, the need for protein is still there. It's just a question of where you get it. I always say as a vegan that I just don't, I eliminate the middleman because cows aren't protein. If they could produce protein, they wouldn't need to eat it. They get it from the food they eat. Then they store it. And right. then people eat the and cow it, and they're eating and stored very, protein. A very inefficient process, by the way. And a big middleman um, that we can cut out. Now, historically, what do you think the future of soy is? You've, see, you've studied the trends. You know where it came from. You know it has a big hold in China, Japan, Asian nations. But in the future, in, like from 2023 on, do you see soy's importance growing in the world or staying where it's at? How do you think it's going to go? I think it's growing in the world. And the reason that I can say that is, is that I have been uh, looking at, I'm writing a bibliography of uh, vegetarianism and veganism. And I've been buying hundreds of vegan cookbooks to see what, what sources of protein they use. And tofu is by far the most widely used source of protein um, from about the 80s until the present in vegan cookbooks. And so that just shows that a growing number of people who know what they you know, who know their nutrition um, 
are realizing that soy is a great source of protein. And of course, you know, as with everything, mix it up, you know, have soy protein one day, have seitan the next, have beans, other legumes, adzuki beans or whatever. Beans are huge. Lentil beans right up to right up next to soy in terms of their protein content uh, and all of the goodness that's in them. So soy is a legume and Americans, uh, this has become a, a, a national crisis, I think, our health care, a uh, matter of national security and our oh, obesity. No and, question that it has. I mean, yeah. the health care costs in America are just out of this world, and we don't get what we're paying for in terms right. of being healthy people. We die at, at a, you know, heart disease, if people don't already know this, is by far the number one cause of death in America. And well, you'd be, you'll be thrilled to know. I don't know if you saw this, William, and William Shirtliff is my guest. He is the founder and director of Soy Info Center and the author of the book of Tofu. It was just, they just released last week a new study that said the number one cause of preventable death in the United States is nutrition. They actually labeled yep. it nutrition because they said under nutrition comes diabetes, heart disease, and now Alzheimer's alarming numbers. And we know that the genistatin and isoflavonoids in soy, we know that they unravel the Alzheimer's genes in your brain. We know that they actually untangle them. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I told you we'd be brief and we were. The Soy Info Center is a great resource on the web. I've been reading tons of stuff there. Uh, and the book of tofu I was not aware of, but I'm going to get me a copy now. Uh, thank you so very much for joining me today, William. It's been my pleasure, and I and 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 I um, I hope that people gradually move in the direction of a vegetarian and vegan diet. It will be. You know what? I'm going to redo a song. I'm famous. I'm famous for redoing songs. I'm going to redo one that says, all we are saying is give soy a chance. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. Okay. Good to talk to you. Okay. Now that you've heard about the history of soy and the benefits of soy and the fact that it really is uh, the meat manufacturers and the dairy industry that is keeping you from soy, uh, I thought I would show you some fun things to do with soy. Uh, first of all, soybeans are really easy to get online. You can also get them in any Asian store. They come in a three pound, four pound, five pound, six pound bag, whatever, however many you need. Uh, here you go. And I get, of course, non-GMO, although that is not an issue for me because genetically modified crops are crops that are going to last. So that's why I don't really worry about it. Uh, but here's your soybeans. Now, as we said, you can't eat these raw. They have a, a, an enzyme in them that is not good for you. It makes your tummy upset. So you must cook them or age them or do something to them. Don't let your pets get them. Don't eat them raw. Okay, so there's the soybeans right there. Now, in spite of what they say, uh, some, when you make soy milk, they say, oh, you don't have to soak the soybeans. Soak the soybeans. It changes the chemistry of the soybeans uh, and it, it makes them just better. It makes the milk creamier. Now, making soy milk is the first thing uh, that I want to show you with this soy product. And it's just the easiest thing in the world to do. And then we're going to make some tempeh bacon. Tempeh is just soybean curd. It's just fermented soybeans. Uh, it's a, it's a, right here. Here it is. Uh, it's delicious. It'll flavor anything that you, you know, it'll taste like anything you want to taste it. And it's just delicious. So tempeh and, by the way, tempeh, soy milk, and edamame. Okay, edamame. I have some frozen edamame here. Uh, edamame you can buy even at Walmart if you go to Walmart in these wonderful little packages right here that you can then, uh, you know, steam and throw some garlic on or whatever. 
this right here has 25% of your daily protein right here, just this bag right here, which also means it's got about mm, 20 milligrams of uh, genistine, which is the, the isoflavonoid that you want to help you avoid any cannabis damage. So edamame, tempeh, of course, tofu, and soy milk. These are all great ways to get a lot of protein into your diet, protein from soy. Let me show you how easy this is, okay? Just let me show you how easy this is. To, to make soy milk, get yourself a nut milk maker. Now, you know I swear, swear by the Chef Wave. I just swear by it. So get yourself one. They're a couple hundred bucks, but, you know, you can make milk whenever you need it. Uh, so get yourself one of those. I have soaked two tablespoons of soybeans, okay? This is just two tablespoons of soybeans that I have soaked. Drain them out. I'll be out of camera for a second. Drain them out. There you have your drained soybeans. All you're going to do, and I can take this back here with us, all you're going to do is go over here to your chef wave and throw them in. There you go, right there on top. See, there they are. And then turn it on. Choose soy, volume, 20 ounces, and hit start. In 16 minutes, okay, just 16 minutes that is going to create delicious soy milk. Just 16 minutes. It'll be a little loud, but it'll do it. Uh, okay, so now let's go back over here and get back over here. And while that prepares, we'll show you how to prepare some tempeh. Okay, first take your tempeh, okay, and cut it into bacon-sized strips. I like to just cut them across ways, uh, and I like to cut it, what is that, a quarter inch? Yeah, about a quarter inch. Three ounces is a serving. You could do an eighth inch if you want for thinner. Uh, but three ounces is a serving, and this whole package is eight ounces, so it's about two and a half servings. Three ounces of tempeh have 18 grams of protein, or about 36% of your daily protein. I mean, isn't that incredible? Between the tempeh and the, and the um, soy milk and the edamame, you've got all your protein right there. And don't worry about eating too much soy. This is not too much soy. So slice up your tempeh like I just did right there. All righty. Now, I use something like this, whatever. You just want to marinate it. So throw your tempeh in there. There we go. I'm just going to throw it in. Doesn't have to be pretty. Doesn't have to be cute. All right. Now, I use coconut aminos, okay? coconut aminos. And why do I use coconut aminos? Because they have about one-third the salt as regular aminos. In these, there's 136 milligrams of sodium per teaspoon. That is only 6%. In soy sauce, or the Bragg liquid aminos, which I also have for those times where you need it, Bragg liquid aminos has 310 milligrams per teaspoon. Okay? So, 310 milligrams of sodium in the Bragg liquid aminos made from soy and 136 in the coconut aminos. So since I eat a lot of tempeh bacon and I don't like to get my salt from my tempeh bacon, I use the coconut aminos. They taste, taste like soy sauce, is not made from soy. So that's your, your salty, your savory. Uh, now you need your sweet maple syrup, okay? Then you need some smoked Hungarian paprika and... The secret ingredient, liquid smoke. Mmm, liquid smoke. Yummy, 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 yummy. Mmm.
things just smell so good in here. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> okay, so sprinkle your paprika. Paprika, paprika. And then, is this the maple? Oh, it is. Sprinkle your maple syrup. The fun part is you get to lick the bowl. I love maple syrup. We're not going to have it in the next 50 or 60 years because of global warming. So enjoy it while you can. And then your coconut aminos. Yes. And then we got to have some liquid smoke, honey. Secret ingredient, liquid smoke. As you know, it comes from the grocery store in this little container here. Liquid smoke. It's vegan. It's delicious. Uh, it's got some sodium in it, too, but not that much. No fat. No nothing, really. It's just they, they call this wood vinegar in other countries, by the way. So take your liquid smoke. Pour that over it. So you've got your aminos. You've got your maple syrup. You've got your liquid smoke. Pour all of that together. Then, what I like to do, just make it even better, take a little olive oil. It doesn't call for this in any other recipes, but I do it. Take a little olive oil and put it in there. Okay. And now, isn't that hard? Wasn't that hard? That was, that was terribly hard, wasn't it? Uh, just take it, mix it around, and let it marinate for, for how many minutes? 15 minutes. Just like that. You're hearing that kick into high gear. So, turn it around. Use any container you want. Let it marinate. Over those 15 minutes, you're going to want to turn it a few times. There you go. Let that set there. And that's that. So in a minute, when this is ready to go, we're going to put it in the air fryer for about 8 to 10 minutes at 400 degrees. And it's going to fry up. You can eat it then, or you can keep it in the refrigerator for up to a week. Uh, it stays good and delicious. So let it marinate 15 minutes while your soy milk is making. Uh, and when it's ready to go, as you see, it's all ready. Here, I can show you. As you see, it is all ready. Look at that. Look at that. It's already getting coated. So that's what you really want to do is just coat it. Now, you're going to want to save that sauce, by the way, because when you're cooking it in your air fryer, cover it in that sauce. It's just going to become this fabulously glazed marvel. Uh, okay, so I'm going to take a 10-minute break here in the kitchen. And when we come back, I'm going to show you how to air fry your tempeh bacon. I'm going to show you uh, the milk that the Chef Wave has made, all from these marvelous soybeans. And if you're lucky, if you're lucky, on the show, I will teach you how to make tofu. Because you can literally make tofu on your stove with a press uh, that you have in your pantry. And if you don't, you should get one. So don't forget, coconut aminos, because they are better for you. Liquid smoke, maple syrup. Uh, and just anything else you want. Some pepper, if you want to throw some pepper, if you like pepper. Uh, whatever you'd like. The Hungarian paprika, which is smoked. I use the smoked paprika. Adds even more smoky flavors. So put that all together and just let it sit there and marinate in its own juices, honey. Soybeans. They're marvelous. I'll show you what they are in just a minute. Okay, it's been 15 minutes and we have this delicious soy milk right here in just 15 minutes. Now... I have to tell you, if you're going to make soy milk at home, you must use something like the Chef Wave because the Chef Wave heats up the water, heats up the milk. And as I said, you cannot eat raw soy, okay? So if you're going to make soy milk, you have to cook it. You have to. 
uh, or at least get it up to almost boiling. And the Chef Wave does that for you. That's why I chose the Chef Wave. It is what they use in Japan and China to make soy milk at home because it's way expensive at the store and doesn't nearly have the nutritional power pack that making it directly from the soybeans has. So I have just made this here at my home in just under 15 minutes. Look at that. Look at that steamy, delicious, fabulous soy milk that you would just pay a lot of money for in the store. And all it is, look at that. It's, look at how white and creamy and filled with protein. It is just two tablespoons of soy. That's all it is. Two tablespoons of soy and you get this delicious, frothy, wonderful soy milk packed with protein you, and isoflavonoids. I use it in my protein drink in the morning. You can use it for your oatmeal. You can do anything you want to with it. It's right here. I let it cool down a little bit before I put it away. All right, now the tempeh has been going to town uh, for 15 minutes and a little longer actually. Uh, and now I'm just gonna throw it in the air fryer uh, for about 15 minutes, or I'm sorry, about 10 minutes, but you'll need to watch it. If you'll look at it, you don't have to watch it here on the video, I'll do the time-lapse thing. Uh, if you look at it, it's got this lovely color to it. Yes, it does. And it's going to have this lovely coating. Now, is it going to taste exactly like a pig? Of course it's not going to taste exactly like a pig, okay? Uh, but is it going to have that fabulous unami of um, bacon? Yes, it is. The liquid smoke ensures that and the smoked paprika, all of that. So you just put it here in the bottom and as you saw, I threw all the sauce in, everything. You stick it in your air fryer or you can bake it at 400 degrees uh, for about 15 minutes if you want to. Just bake it. You don't have to use an air fryer. If you don't have one, you're one of the five people that have yet to get one. Uh, and they're cheap, so just go get one. They're cheap. Uh, they're very cheap. You can get one for 50 bucks and it lasts forever. So here it is in your air fryer. There it is. There's what it looks like. We're going to air fry this for about, oh, I would say 10 minutes. Uh, and then it will be fabulous. Let's set the air fryer here. Let's hit start. Air fry, temp 400. Time, I'll say 10 minutes. And then we'll check it. Don't want to burn it. Hit start. There you go. You're air frying your way to glamour and to beauty and to fabulousness. And I hope... It is my hope uh, that by doing this today, I have encouraged you. You know, I see all these things. Oh, soy free, soy free. Don't be afraid of soy. It, you can talk to your doctor if you like, but I will tell you, most of the research that's against soy has been conducted by the meat and dairy industry. Okay? Soy is fine. It's good for you. The Japanese eat it every day. The Chinese have been eating it since 7,000 or 3,000 BC. I mean, it's fine unless you have an allergy. It's like gluten. Oh, I can't eat gluten. Yes, you can. It's just wheat protein. So unless you have celiac disease, which you don't, well, about 4% of you do, but unless you have celiac disease, you can eat all the gluten you want, okay? Soy is high in protein. It has isoflavonoids that are good for you, heart prevention, blood pressure lowering, cancer prevention. Don't be afraid of soy. <laughs> All right, I am Corel. You be who you want to be, so I don't hurt anybody. I will post a picture of the finished bacon on my social media at Instagram. So go there if you want to see a photo of the finished bacon. It'll be on Instagram at Really Corel, and give me a follow there. I hope today has educated you about this important uh, bean, this important legume, and I hope that you see 
that things that you eat are often affected by corporations, by politics, by all kinds of things, but not necessarily by science or nutritional value. So learn. Did I say I'm Carol B? Who you want to be so I don't hurt anybody? I hope I did. I hope I did. And there it is, sizzling, beautiful tempeh bacon. Look at that, oh my gosh, you see all the liquid has gone into it. It's just gorgeous, isn't it? Oh my God, it's beautiful. That's some gorgeous tempeh bacon. Yummy. Make your device a whole lot smarter. Get the Corel Cast app free at the app store of your choice now.